Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. If you're interested in having life at its best, you're at the right place. That's, you know what? That's what Jesus came to do is to give you the quality of life that he had received from God. That's why this series that, we're, that I'm sharing with you this month is called Finding Divine Life. Finding the quality of life that Jesus had and that he offers to us. And today we're talking about what Jesus mentioned in one of his sermons about entering the narrow gate. Now, I want you to understand something, and I, I can't cover everything in these broadcast series that I cover in the, in the actual messages just because it would just be more time consuming than, than you could do, but I'm going to give you as much of this as you can. See, everybody is searching for a better quality of life. I don't, yeah, I mean, there's some people who get so beat down, they lose hope, life goes bad, things don't work out, and yeah, they get to a place to where they're afraid to try again. But I'm telling you something, anybody who believes they have a real shot at making their life better will always go for it. Because you see, we're created in the likeness and the image of God. There's a part of us that knows that we're supposed to be living this incredible quality of life. And so we're always going to be trying to find it one way or another. Those who trust God, they go to God. They pursue God to find this quality of life. Those who uh, don't know or don't trust God, they go to the flesh. They try to satisfy themselves through, through the works of the flesh. People who have been uh, influenced by religion, they go to religious performances to try to find it. But everybody is trying to pursue that, that uh, inherent desire that they have for this ultimate quality of life. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is the one who showed us how to do this. Now remember, Jesus, contrary to what some people are saying to, today in pop theology, Jesus was not a teacher of the law. Jesus didn't just teach a salvation message. Jesus was a teacher of the kingdom of God. He taught people how to find divine life. And that's what he was talking about when he would refer to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You know, uh, Jesus wanted us to get born again. And once we were born again, then we have the capacity. We have the ability. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit. We have all, everything that we need then if we choose to follow the God into heaven on earth, then the real truth is we, we can do it You know, now that we're born again. But unfortunately, uh, the unbelieving church took the teachings of Jesus and twisted those teachings to mean uh, or, or to refer to heaven after you die, not heaven here on earth. Now stop and think. The church, uh, uh, you know, after a few hundred years had been so far removed, particularly the church in the Western world. The church in the Eastern world stayed more true to the apostles' doctrine longer than the church in the Western world. The church in the Western world became very religious. It became... It became corrupted by Gnosticism. It became corrupted by asceticism and all kinds of cult beliefs. And, um, 
So they didn't believe in miracles anymore. They didn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even believe in the new birth anymore. They believed in joining the church. There was no, no real concept of, of being born of the Spirit of God. And so you have to realize that, that the, uh, the, the church that emerged was more about a political, about political domination. You know, the, I'm not saying that Catholics today believe what Catholics then were taught to believe. But in the beginning of Catholicism, uh, you know, the word Catholic means universal. It was a universal church. It was designed to incorporate every religion in the world and have control ultimately of the world. It had nothing to do with spiritual values, had nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus. Uh, his words and the scriptures were invoked and terminology was invoked to sound like it was about Jesus, but it really wasn't about Jesus. It was about about control, about domination, about, about power. Now, <clears throat> in these beliefs that they had, uh, because they've been brought in from cult and occult resources, uh, believers or people who came seeking God, they were taught that the way that you become righteous is to suffer. And, and uh, you know, the whole idea is like, just like you got to put fire uh, metal into the fire to purge out the, you know, the impure uh, uh, components to make a sword come out with, you know, a good strong metal. That's what you have to do to people. They have to go through the fire. They have to go through the suffering. But I want to tell you something. That whole concept of suffering was one convenient way to mask and cover up the fact that, hey, we don't believe Jesus' message. We don't believe God's a good God. And, and we don't want you to believe that you can have a good life apart from the control and the domination of the church. Now, remember, when I talk about the church, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about every church in the world. I'm talking about what happened in church history back then, 15, 1600 years ago. And sadly, it, it is still happening today. But here's, let me say something to you. I think most of the people today who preach religion, which uh, inadvertently causes people to end up in bondage, causes people to not enjoy the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't really think that's their intention. I think after 1,600 years of brainwashing, I think after 1,600 years of twisting and perverting the truth, 1,600 years of teaching negative, destructive doctrines, it just is normal to so, so many people. And I think there's a lot of great people who love God and want to help people, and they think that's the way to do it. So, you know, don't judge anybody. Don't condemn anybody. You don't know why anybody's doing what they're doing. But the point is this. It doesn't matter why they're doing what they're doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you, are you reading the Bible and listening to the teachings of Jesus and applying them the way Jesus taught you to apply them? Or are you listening to everybody else and, and going the way that religion will always take you? But by changing the meaning of the parables, then religion could emphasize how hard salvation would be and how you needed somebody to, to take you through the process and you, you needed a mediator between you and God because Jesus wasn't going to be enough. But interestingly... Jesus never emphasized how hard it was to get saved. He emphasized how easy it was to get saved. Now, <clears throat> if his parables are teaching us how to get saved, then he's constantly contradicting himself. But since they're not, what we can do with the parables, since the parables are not about how to get saved, 
The parables are about how to walk with God. The parables are about how the born-again person can walk with God and experience heaven on earth. That means that it's actually in Jesus' teaching that we unlock the mystery of heaven on earth. And let me give you the scripture that we've already shared several times. John 3, 3 doesn't tell us that when we're born again that we enter the kingdom. It says that when we're born again, we can see the kingdom. Now that the Spirit of God is in us, now that our heart has been changed, we realize that there is a kingdom realm and we can enter into it. And uh, so uh, the children of Israel, they were our type to understand the journey from Egypt, the world, crossing the Red Sea, getting born again, following Moses uh, to Sinai and having all the word of God written on our heart and then the journey from there into Canaan. And Canaan was a land that flowed with milk and honey where they could live in houses they didn't build, where they could eat from vineyards that they didn't plant, where they could, where they could have safety as a nation and have borders and boundaries that protected them from the other nations of the world. And it was a type of entering into the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Bible tells us, and, and of course we, we see it, there were a lot of people that, that, that came out of Egypt. And stop and think about it. They'd been slaves for centuries. They, they didn't know what was out there beyond the Red Sea. They didn't, I mean, they knew there was a desert out there. And, and Maybe a few of them had heard stories about other countries, but they, they'd never seen Canaan. They had no idea if this land that God told them about was even real or that Moses told them about in behalf of God. So, you know, Moses was a type of Christ. He came and represented God to the people. Well, Jesus, who is God, is the Son of God, but He became a man and represented God to us so we could know and understand clearly everything that God had ever taught, ever, ever said, and, and all that we can have as, as we walk with Him. But the children of Israel, they started on this journey, and, and you know, the majority of them died in the wilderness because they spent 40 years wandering around instead of making an 11-day journey from Egypt into Canaan. Now, why didn't they just go into Canaan? Well, it's really pretty simple. The book of Hebrews, when it talks about entering into rest, and entering into rest is, is a type of entering into the kingdom of God, entering into this place where God's power works, where we have God's resources, where we have all that God has provided for us. Uh, and so the word rest is just another way of understanding uh, kingdom living. Uh, so the writer of Hebrews explains that there's really only one reason that they couldn't enter in. And see, it wasn't because there were giants in the land. And there were, there were giants in the land. It wasn't because uh, the Canaanites had such incredibly strong armies. It wasn't because they had chariots and horses. It wasn't because they had uh, uh, weapons of war. It wasn't because that, that they were warriors who had been trained to fight and the children of Israel were slaves. It wasn't because none of those reasons had anything to do with why they did not enter into the promise of God. The writer of Hebrews says one reason, unbelief. They did not trust that God could give them what he had promised. Well, I got news for you. As a modern day Christian, for us, there's only one reason we don't experience heaven on earth. We don't trust that we can follow Jesus into this promised land, into this place of rest, into this place that's called heaven here on earth. But today, 
And through this incredible series on finding divine life, I'm going to help you break free from a lifetime of religious influence. Now you can find the divine life that Jesus taught about. Now, Jesus was teaching, and he made a reference in Matthew 7, 13, to entering by the narrow gate. Uh, Matthew 7, 13, so Jesus speaking, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Um, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few that find it. Now, if you take that parable and you attempt to make that about getting saved, then you start getting this idea of how difficult, how hard it will be to ever get saved. But Jesus was not talking about how to get saved. His parables were parables of the kingdom, and he was talking about how difficult it is to enter into this kingdom life. Now, why is it difficult? Is it hard? No, because Jesus said, actually, it was easy and light when we yoke up with him. And that, the concept of a yoke means to harmonize. If we harmonize our beliefs about God, if we harmonize our belief about what makes life work and what makes life enjoyable, if we harmonize that with what Jesus taught and see him as our source, see him as our strength, see him as providing everything that we need, then the real truth is he says, then it's just gonna be easy and light. So, <clears throat> The Jews, now, as they were listening to Jesus, see, they knew exactly what he was talking about. First of all, when Jesus spoke about salvation, they were thinking more about what happened here on earth, not so much what happened after you died. You know, we have been taught to put salvation forward as pie in the sky and the great by and by. Salvation is all about what's going to happen when we leave here on planet Earth. I've, I've known good, godly people. As a matter of fact, a really close friend of mine, I couldn't believe it when he said it to me one time. He said, look, God hasn't promised you anything here. You know, you get heaven when you die, but you, you're not promised anything here. I thought, have you never read any of the Bible? Have you never read where the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 20 that every promise that God has ever made to anyone is yes and amen for us because we are in Jesus? Have you never read the book of Colossians where it says we are qualified for the inheritance of the kingdom of light because we are in Jesus? Have you never read in the book of Peter where it says because of all of the promises of God being ours, that's how we escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. We don't have to go lusting after chasing after all these things if we know we've already got them. They knew that Jesus was talking about how to have heaven here on earth. And so when he started talking about the narrow gate, you see, they, they, they had a point of reference that we don't have. And one of the reasons, let me just say this, one of the reasons we don't understand most of Jesus' teaching is because very early on, the Catholic Church, and again, I'm not trying to bash Catholics because I'm not saying every Catholic believes it. I'm telling you, listen, there's corruption in every denomination out there. It just so happened that, that the first massive worldwide church that was ever established was, was the Catholic Church. Uh, but trust me, there's, there's plenty of corruption to go around. I'm not trying to just zero in on Catholics. I hope you understand that. But the Catholic Church was very adamant about isolating Christians from the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, we understood the character and the nature of God. We understood what God said loving one another was about. Uh, you know, actually, there could have never been the Crusades. There never could have been the Inquisition. There never could have been all of these perverted things that happened back in those days 
if the commandments had been accepted as God's definition of how to treat one another, how to govern, how to have an economy, how to treat, you know, how, how, to, how to have a, a civil justice and civil order and all of those kinds of things. But you see, by alienating the Old Testament, now you could take what Jesus taught and you could use cult teaching and occult teaching or just religious stuff that you make up and twist it into anything that you want it to be said. But see, Jesus never said anything that was not already what God had said. He just showed us what it should look like and how, and how that we should understand it. So because we don't understand the Old Testament, which there is no such thing as the Old Testament, there's just the Scripture. Uh, when you say Old Testament, uh, there is an Old Covenant, but the Old Testament uh, you, can't even, you can't understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. And likewise, you can't really fully understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. But it's all just the Scripture. And we don't understand the Scripture. Therefore, we don't really understand God. Therefore, we have trouble really understanding what Jesus was talking about uh, much of the time. In the Hebrew uh, alphabet, there is a letter called the He. The He looks like a rectangle standing on its end. And the bottom of the rectangle has no line on it. So it's wide open at the bottom. And in the top left-hand corner, there's a little, uh, a, uh, the lines don't connect. There's a little opening up there. And the Jew knew that the letter He represents the presence of God. Matter of fact, it doesn't just represent the presence of God. It also represents the breath of God, where God breathes life into you. And the narrow way, the way the, the way the Jews saw it, was that way of the top of pursuing God. And the broad way that led to destruction was the bottom part of that letter where people uh, that were not pursuing the presence of God were not pursuing the breath of life. They just fell through to destruction. Now, the Hebrew alphabet tells a story from beginning to end. And in, and, and in this story, it, it takes the meaning of every Hebrew letter and it describes this whole journey of pursuing God and ultimately it all brings you down to the last letter which has to do with the truth. And so uh, I'm, we're not going to go through the whole alphabet, but I just want to go through the first few letters so you'll understand what Jesus was referring to and what they would have understood when he talked about the hay. You see, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph. And the Aleph represents a unity or a harmony with God. So, so this is the person that is seeking to be one with God, seeking to live in harmony with God. Well, the second letter is the bet, and the bet represents the heart. So this person that's seeking God, they know that they have to seek God from the heart. This has got to be who they are, the way they live, their, their deepest beliefs. It's not just a bunch of outward observation. And then the third letter is, is the gimel, and the gimel is a picture of a camel. And see, a camel represents has the ability to, to carry water. And so the camel can deliver you from, you know, from the ravages of the desert. The camel can bring, can bring you to safety in life. And so the, the gimel represents a person who actually is running toward other people to rescue them and, and, and to serve them and to, and to bring uh, help and hope and life to them. So this person harmonizes with God. And because their heart 
it becomes one with God because God loves the world and God's always pursuing to bring life to the world. It's like that gimel that's run into him. And then after the gimel, there is the dalit. And the dalit is the picture of a door. And the door is a, represents a portal, a gate, or an opening. Now what's interesting, the person who is pursuing to be in harmony with God, the person who, who, who has opened their heart, surrendered their heart to God, and the person who, who is, instead of living for self, is seeking to serve mankind, because that's what God is always trying to do, that person uh, perceives the dalit, the portal. They perceive that there is a passageway to a whole nother realm that, that nobody else uh, uh, can see unless, they, unless they, they're following the same journey. And that portal takes you to the hay, to the presence of God, to the place where God and man exist in, in this very present moment, where the breath of God is breathed into us um, to experience new life, where we, where we experience God's presence. As a matter of fact, where we experience actually the feminine nature of God, the gentleness, the, you know, the uh, 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 all of the ways that he protects us, all the ways that he takes care of us. And it's where we hear that still small voice. And that hay is the narrow gate that leads us into all this realm where all of this life of God is. Now, like I said, Jesus was a teacher of the kingdom. He showed man how to have heaven on earth. He showed man that it was easy and light. And so he's calling us to enter in through the narrow gate, enter in through this gate that says, look, I want, I want to be one with God. I'm, 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 I'm going to pursue God with all of my heart. I'm going, to, I'm going to harmonize my beliefs. I'm going to harmonize the way I think. I'm going to harmonize the way I treat people. I'm going to harmonize everything I can, can as, much as, as, you know, as much as I walk with the Holy Spirit and experience His strength to do it. I'm going to harmonize as much as I know how with the character and the nature of God. You know, that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, when he told us, we're the lie of the world. You know, if we're harmonizing with God and we're treating the world the way God would treat the world, then they're getting a chance to see God in us. You know, we, we've reduced witnessing to going out and telling people and giving people information and, and, and telling them they're going to hell and trying to get them to make a decision. The real truth is witnessing is about being a light in the darkness, about being someone who represents God. And the, and the world looks at us and wants to know why we're different and wants to know why we have peace, wants to know why we're happy, wants to know, you know, what, what's, what's different about us. Well, this is why we started this whole series with this scripture in Proverbs 12, 28. In the way of righteousness is life. Now remember, the church turned righteousness into nothing but moral purity and excellence and, and presented this idea that righteousness is you trying to do everything right so that you could get God's approval. No, you got God's approval. See, in Jesus, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He has access to the presence of God. We are in Him. Therefore, we are seated at the right hand of God. We have access to God. So we're not trying to get access to God. We're not trying to get a right standing with God. But people who seek to harmonize their heart with God are going to be people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we talked about righteousness. Listen, if you haven't watched these previous two messages, go back and listen to them because otherwise you're going to misunderstand about righteousness. You know, 
Righteousness is, it is right standing with God. Righteousness is a continuum. It's about a belief. It's about a position. It's about a strength. It's about, it's about uh, uh, the way we live, the way we treat people. It's about walking in love. It's about the character and the nature of God. I'm, you know, it's, and, and do we fail at it? Yes, we fail at it. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anybody fully attains all this, but I am saying we hunger and thirst to have the character and nature of God, be like Jesus, to be the light in the darkness, to be the salt that preserves the earth. And the way of righteousness is life. Life for us and life for the people that are watching us, for the people that are around us. And in that pathway, there is no death. Now listen to me. I've said this, I'm going to say this over and over again. In our pursuit of God, sadly, Few people have this intimate connection with God where they talk and listen and commune and share and get, and get divine insight into, into how to walk through whatever pathway of life they're walking through right now and, and experience the grace, the strength, the, the ability, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, making us able to do that, transforming our hearts so that it's not just outward, it's inward. It's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing what I do because this is who I am, not because I'm trying to get something, trying to perform, none of that kind of stuff. And so, and so we, want, we want to come into this way and this way, this pathway, this way of life gives us or puts us on the pathway that we can choose righteousness. And righteousness is a quality of life. Now, this, listen, you, you'll never get this intellectually, but righteousness cannot be separated from quality of life. See, the quality of my marriage is the quality of the character that I have and that my wife has. The quality of my relationship with every person is a combination of the quality of my life, quality of their life. Now, I'm going to, if I, if I have righteousness in my heart, if I'm harmonizing with God and I'm walking in love and I'm being kind and I'm being patient and I'm being gentle and I'm, you know, being long-suffering, I'm being all of these things that, that, that love is dis described as being, I'm, I'm going to be at peace no matter what anybody else around me does. Righteousness. See, when there's righteousness, there's peace. The first level of righteousness comes because I'm in Jesus. I have right standing with God, got peace with God. Second level of righteousness comes because I, I, I am committed to the way of righteousness. I've got peace with myself. The third level of righteousness comes because of how I relate to other people. I got, I got righteousness and peace in my other relationships. And all of that just brings me abounding, unending joy. God wants you to enter in the narrow way. Why is the narrow way hard? Because we spend our whole lives learning to function from selfishness, self-centeredness, self-gratification. There is idolatry is selfishness. Selfishness is idolatry. The truest form of Satanism is self-centeredness, selfishness. We are either our own God or we surrender ourselves to the true God. And if we surrender ourselves to the true God, then we believe who Jesus is. We believe how he represented God and we seek to do exactly what he said. Take every word of God and interpret it by 
walking in love toward God, love toward our neighbor, and love toward ourselves. Listen, man, this is as far as we can go today. Be sure and check out my website, impactministries.com, for this full series on finding divine life. And listen, help me reach other people. Be sure and comment on this. You know, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know how you're, what you're getting out of this. Share your testimony. And also be sure and, and like this. This helps if you're watching on, on uh, YouTube, other people will see this because you like it. Uh, be sure to share this with other people. If you think this message is going to help other people, you share this with other people. And I'm telling you something, we're going to make this journey together. And this series is going to help you make this journey into how to have this incredible divine life that Jesus said that he came for us to have. Ah, man, oh man, oh man. And listen, be sure, be sure and, and, and join me for World Changer Weekend. You can go to our website and find out more about it. I'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.